Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. The UK now has a serious staffing shortage with nearly 1 million vacancies, 84,000 NHS job vacancies, of which 38,000 of those are nurses. We have a serious staffing crisis in the UK following uh, the the recovery and Brexit and and all these things, all these factors have come together. And and it's in various industries, but I'll give you the main three, which I, I think are healthcare hospitality and the building sector in general. Uh, There's a massive shortage in all of those areas. And the NHS in particular has a staffing shortage, which kind of takes me back to the days when I was recruiting nurses from abroad, uh, you know, 20 years ago. And and we we had a staffing crisis then of nurses and care workers. And uh, I ran a business for around 10 years uh, recruiting people from abroad and then the government clamped down on work permits as Europe expanded the work permits of non-EU workers was was restricted and then you know that, that that we sort of just stopped doing business because it was just impossible to get people in to the country from overseas and now it's come full circle again uh, and they're, they're starting to expand the work permit system again but it's still very difficult it's a lot more difficult now than it was in those days, to get through the to jump through all the hoops and the, the work is much more expensive for people, and perhaps that is deterring people. But the NHS staffing crisis has been highlighted by the King's Fund report into the NHS workforce, which revealed the following: NHS hospitals, and this is not just hospitals; it's mental health services, community providers, reported a shortage of eighty-four thousand staff, and there are thirty-eight thousand nursing vacancies. This was this is. Going back a few months, I'm not sure the exact figure today, but that's one in 10 posts are now vacant. And the intermediate workforce shortfall is so severe that at least 5,000 nurses must be recruited from overseas. And this is getting back to my days when we used to go out to the Philippines, India, Africa and, and, and parts of Europe to get staff because there are not enough nurses coming through and being trained here in the UK or maybe in the UK, people just, you know, not enough people want to get into nursing. Um, however, I did also hear that there was a shortage of, of nursing training places in, in the UK. So I, I don't know if that is having an effect on this as well. Uh, but but definitely there are opportunities to, to come and work in the UK in the NHS. Now, I'm not a recruitment agency, so don't write to me saying, have you got a job for me? in the NHS, I'm a nurse. You need to go through your own, uh, you know, in, in some countries like the Philippines, they have organisations where you have to go through them to uh, to get to work abroad. That, that's the POEA. It's not the same in every country. But I would always choose a reputable recruitment agency, one that's been around a few years. Don't respond to job adverts promising you the earth. Don't send money to people who say, give me money and I'll get you a job. Uh, just Just be careful about that. But if you are a qualified nurse, 
doctor, you know, or, or some other healthcare professional, then there are opportunities in the UK, as I think there are in, in other countries as well. But definitely it's, it, it's making me smile that it's come around full circle from over 20 years ago. And I've, I often bump into staff that we recruited years and years ago. And uh, they say, oh, we, we came with, in with you in 2000 or 2001. And they're still here working in the UK. But some of them reported a lot of UK trained staff are leaving. They're, they're going off to Australia and places like this. So, so there you go. But what's happening in the UK? Well, the economy is recovering. Uh, restrictions are eased on, on lockdown restrictions. And the hospitality sector in particular is, is just suffering from a lack of, of uh, a post-Brexit shortage, if you like, of chefs, restaurant staff. The building trade needs more skilled workers, uh, bricklayers, plasterers, engineers, electricians. In fact, it's impossible to get any tradesperson to do any jobs at the moment. They're just so busy and, and they're off earning loads of money. Now, I know that a lot of Eastern European staff went home in, in, during the lockdown and many have not come back uh, for various reasons. Uh, but, you know, there are opportunities here. Now, not every job is going to qualify for a work permit. And that, that could be the other problem now, uh, that, that low skilled workers will not get work permits. Uh, and often the jobs are not, not necessarily highly skilled. Uh, but the Office for National Statistics, the ONS, shows that uh, there's been an upsurge in the number of people in employment, which rose by 182,000. To, to nearly 30,000. I mean, there's nearly, sorry, 182,000 to 28.9 million. So there are nearly 30 million people actually in employment, but it's still 200,000 lower than a year ago. The unemployment rate now is, is under 5%, 4.7% for the last three months. Um, and uh, job vacancies, as I said, have soared to nearly 1,953,000 between May and July. And that's up by more than 168,000 on last year. The British Chamber of Commerce warned that the recruitment crisis could have a detrimental effect on the economy, obviously because you know companies can't do business if they haven't got staff. You can't open a restaurant if you haven't got staff. Um, and they also said that wage growth is, 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 will lead to inflationary pressures. So uh, this is where wages are now exceeding the, the, the average rate of inflation. So if, if inflation is say 2 or 3%, and wages are higher than that, it, it then has inflationary pressures because the, 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 the person, the employer, has to then put up their prices somehow or make their money somehow and pass this on to customers. And uh, we know that shortages have, have already driven up uh, headline pay statistics, according to the ONS. Uh, wage growth is now hitting 7.4% over the period, which is, is, is unbelievable, isn't it? When you, when you consider that inflation is at, say, 3 percent-ish, according to whatever figures you believe. This is obviously, it's nearly double the inflation rate or over double the inflation rate. So that, that will have an, an effect. Now, normally higher wages, uh, labor shortages, increased raw material prices all around the world are definitely indicators of higher inflation. Printing trillions of dollars, euros and pounds doesn't help, does it? You know, this will add to inflationary pressures and ultimately decrease the buying power of money in your pocket. So if you're going to sit on cash for the next 10 or 20 years, your investments are not going to do very well. Um, property is one way of protecting uh, your money over a period of time. Usually over a period of time, property keeps pace with inflation or exceeds inflation as, as a way of uh, protecting the value of your money. Whereas if people sort of sit on, I mean, an example is 
If you're waiting to buy a property and you sit on a deposit for five years, you will find at the end of that five years, in most periods, that that deposit is no longer enough to, to buy you, to, to, to get you on the housing ladder. Or, you know, in a more extreme example, if you sold your property five years ago and said, I'm, I'm going to sit on this cash now and, and then, then buy in a couple of years time, you know, that cash would, would not be enough to buy your property because the properties would be going up faster than the interest that you earn on that cash. Do, do you see what I mean? So, you know, in the past, people say, put your money in bricks and mortar. You know, that's been a traditional way of, of protecting the value of you and also somewhere to live, of course, and somewhere to invest into and, and earn an income. And I, I think I, I said uh, in yesterday's broadcast that the average house price is starting to fall for the first time this year. And this was in the UK, but it also appears that in the, the America as well, prices seem to have peaked in July and have fallen back slightly. It's only small declines at the moment, but property is not like the stock market. It doesn't just dive in one day because there are all sorts of things going on. It takes time. Like with the stock market, if if shares uh, can go up by 10% in one day, they can go down by 50 or 60% in a, in a day, literally. Uh, so property doesn't work like that. You start to see a slowing in in maybe demand. You see that average listed prices uh, start to, to go down a bit because people can't sell them. They might have it on the market for three months and, and the, the agents say, well, we haven't got any buyers. I suggest you reduce the price. This is starting to happen. And this, this eventually leads to uh, lower lending and, and lower sold prices. So in three, four, five months, we might see the, the official data from the ONS and land registry showing that prices are in decline. And then once prices start to decline, there's no more FOMO. There's no more fear of missing out like we've had this year where everyone's scrambling to buy property. People can sit back. They can say, well, it's it's a buyer's market now and therefore I want a discount, I want a reduction, or I'm going to keep looking around. And then sellers get a bit more desperate to sell and, and so on. So it's a it's a it's like a domino effect, really. It takes time and, and the prices will spiral down. But once confidence goes in the property market and, and the fear of missing out goes, then that's when you could see a decline in the property market. And property investors could see a return to a more normal buyer's market where you can put in sensible offers or, or crazy offers, if you like, and, and hopefully get a reduction on the price. Uh, and this particularly might come out as we enter autumn and, and the winter, traditionally quieter periods. But, you know, in, in, in this year, if people went for a house, they, they, they were told that, you know, in certain areas, in hotspots, that we're going to put you on a waiting list. We've got 20 people on the waiting list and we will consider your interest in this property. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, we, we won't be selling for the asking price. We want more than the asking price. So thank you very much. We'll, we'll let you know. And, you know, you want to be in a situation where you're saying, look, I'll think about it, but, you know, I'll come back to you with an offer and then offer a lower than the asking price. That's that's where you want to be as a buyer. But there are still opportunities. And, you know, professional property investors do make money in, in any market, whether the market's going up, down or sideways. Have a look at my video yesterday. I'll put a link up to that on, on the property market in the UK. And, you know, there are ways of making property, whether you have money or not. You can make money if you have no deposits, you have no money to put down. There are many, many strategies where you can get into property and make money from property without using your own money. So if you'd like to know more about that, um, click on, on, the, on the second link at the very bottom and I'll send you updates on, on property and any 
free webinars and courses that, that are out there to help you get into property. There are many, many strategies. Deal packaging is one where you find properties and package it on for other people. There's a, there's a special way of tech of packaging those to make the maximum return and protect yourself from um, you know not getting paid. So there are ways of doing this. Another way is joint ventures. Another way is rent to rent. Um, there are many, many strategies where you don't have to use your own money. And, and joint ventures is, is a classic, I, I suppose. Um, you know, many times in the past, we, we, you've seen a property and you think, well, I, I, if I could buy that, I could do this with it. I could turn that office block into flats. Oh, but I haven't got the money. Well, there are people out there that will give you the money if you find the right deals. There's always money chasing deals and good investments. So, so, so just think about that and, and do, do uh, click on my links so that I can keep you updated with property. And that could change your life. That could make you financially free in three to five years. I've seen it happen myself many, many times with people who had nothing to start with. You can gain financial freedom in property very, very quickly, you know, compared to other investments where you, you might have to save up to buy shares and, and you can't use leverage. You can't get joint ventures. You can't deal package shares, right? So so this this is this is for me has always been a very good form of investment for me over the years. It's, in fact, it saved my backside in many cases when everything else went you know, South property has always been there like, like the rock, the bricks and mortar. So thanks for listening today and have a, have a great day wherever you are and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 